0: I think it would be great to hear about if you're making any manipulations to water, sodium, yeah, Yeah. protein, fats, uh, even down to like food composition, that sort of thing, that would be great to hear about.
1: Yep, so um, we'll start with water, I guess. So um, our bodies are primarily made up of uh, water and it's important to also have water inside our muscle cells to make them look nice and full and round um, when we're getting on stage. Um, the degree of which we kind of push that and same can be said for carbohydrates depends a little bit upon the division that they're competing in. So for one of the more muscular uh, categories, so we're thinking like, um, you know, bodybuilding or physique or figure, uh, even women's fitness, which is what I compete in with the WBFF, um, we are getting very lean. So you are seeing a lot of muscle Um, so the degree of loading probably is going to be a little bit higher than for, you know, maybe a bikini, um, division where the competitors are coming in a little bit less hard and they still have, um, a little bit of body fat. And again, it does depend on the federation. In my opinion, I think that, you know, the IFBB, um, bikini look is significantly harder, Um, and more muscular, leaner than the Federation that I compete for. The girls are a lot softer, they truly look like glamorous bikini girls, like they've just been plucked off the beach. So, you know, the degree of loading is going to be different depending on how hard and vascular, I guess, that they want to look. So. Water is really important, um, but we don't need to go through any crazy or strenuous loading protocols or depletion protocols. Those um, types of extreme measures are actually going to um, jeopardise your end performance at the end of the day. Uh, We want to have some water. Uh, but we don't need to, you know, I think I've heard of stories of people drinking, you know, 10 litres a day, which is just stupid. I've also heard of people completely, you know, dehydrating themselves for this dry look, which ultimately is going to lead to them looking really flat um, and probably very unwell uh, if they're not um, drinking any fluid at all. So, that should stay pretty consistent to your normal. So peak week shouldn't be any dramatic changes to your water. Uh, For me, what I'm doing with clients and for myself is I'm looking at my normal daily fluid uh, intakes uh, in the weeks leading up to the show. And then for peak week, it shouldn't really change. It stays very much the same. So for me, that's probably about... I don't know, three and a half to four litres per day. Um, And then as far as sodium is concerned, that should be pretty much the same. Um, I'm looking at my competitors' uh, past or previous weeks' uh, sodium intakes. Um, I'm looking at what their averages are. And then we typically keep their sodium levels pretty steady um, throughout the course of that peak week. There shouldn't be any dramatic changes um, because if you do start manipulating sodium, um, now we're going to, as a result of that, start manipulating um, our total body water since water follows sodium. So both of those things really stay pretty steady. Um, we can use our sodium on uh, our show day, I guess, as a bit of a tool for helping to increase our vascularity um, to kind of really show off your um, muscle. So, uh, again, depending on the division, if we're looking at a bodybuilder or a physique athlete or a figure athlete, Fitness in mine and Hattie's case, Um, you know, we probably can manipulate sodium a little bit just to kind of really make our muscles pop and appear quite vascular. Um, Obviously, that will increase the solubility, uh, the solute load inside our vessels, um, causing them to expand because now we're going to have water moving back into our vessels to make them look, um, you know, like they're popping. So that's really the approach, I guess, to water and salt. Um I have a lot of thoughts about food choices and things during peak week, but I'd love to give Lauren uh, an opportunity to talk about that too. And perhaps if she's got um maybe you do backloading. I think that's something that I've seen you do with your clients. So maybe yeah. you could explain that one and then we can talk about food.
2: Yeah, I was like, so I have the opposite approach. And of course, this <laughs> is gonna really depend on the individual. Um, I mean, I've peaked people who do keto, like you know, there's there's always gonna be differences, right? But I would say for me, what I've had the best success with, with most clients, um, is a backload. There's typically about two days, we'll do a slight depletion. Um, Of course, this is going to depend on how much somebody's eating, how much they're going into the peak week. Um, Their normal day might already look like a depletion day, just kind of depends. So just want to deplete a little bit so that we do have that kind of super compensation effect. And then as the week starts, we bring things up. And the reason that I like doing that is that I feel like, I can control that a little bit better. Um, In my experience, and again, it could just be, you know, the sample that I've worked with, the front load can tend to be a little bit harder for the people that I've worked with. Um, But again, I do use it sometimes. So typically what a back load looks like is you start low and then you end high. Um, So the general plan that I have for most people is do a little bit of a depletion for two days. Again, it's, it's just a moderate more restriction, but not too much for carbs. And then we're going to start bringing it up every day. And for some people, we find, okay, they're blowing through the food, we need to bring it up more. And for other people, we're like, okay, we need to stop or today is the last day of the high day and then maybe so say that say the show is on saturday and originally i had planned to go high up until friday well maybe thursday is the highest they can do friday they wake up and i'm like all right we're gonna spill if we continue to go so for some people who just aren't as insulin sensitive they just don't tolerate carbs as well they might look better after like a day of like high and then a little bit lower and then they have the show day So it's really going to depend, but a backload would be starting low, going high. Um, Same. I don't mess with water at all. Um, Whatever their average is, is typically what I do. And then for sodium, it really depends. So I would say that for clients who are eating above, above seven grams, which would be about 7,000 milligrams, I don't change it. I find that when clients have high sodium, if i mess with it at all, start to see really weird stuff start happening. Um, And I have had clients, I mean, sometimes people will come back and they have, Ten grams, and I'm like, was this a miss type? And they're like, no, I just really like. There's like two random things that they like that have like a bunch of sodium, you know what I mean? And I'm like, all right, well, that's what you—that's your normal. I'm not deviating this because if we go from ten thousand milligrams to like five thousand, somebody mm-hmm. will look awful. I mean, awful if they're staged. In. So for that client. I'm just keeping it very consistent, but for a lot of clients, especially who are on that kind of lower end, I find that when we bump up sodium, they actually look much better. Now, when I say bump it up, it might be 20 or 25%, like it's nothing like outlandish. Um, So what I initially have is like the plan is we're going to start higher and then we're typically going to tighten things up a little bit where we might drop it a little bit as kind of carbs are coming up. Um, but we don't always do that, right? Sometimes people are dropping too much. Sometimes they're looking softer. Sometimes they are just looking better. So I keep it the same. That's where peak week, honestly, I I typically have people send it every other day, but sometimes I have people send pictures and wait every day because it's like, oh, I don't know how tomorrow's going to look. Let's do that. And um, I would say that it really depends too on the client, right? If somebody's very muscular. You're going to be able to load them a lot more with carbs typically, but not always. I have some muscular clients who don't tolerate carbs very well. Um, So there's that. When you're leaner, you can usually always push stuff. If somebody's not lean enough, I'm doing very minimal changes during peak week because they're just, they don't need to make those changes. And hopefully we can get a little bit of a drop even throughout that week. We're, we're hoping based on the previous part of this talk that we're not there. We've given them enough time so that have gotten lean enough, but I have had that situation where I'm like, all right, we didn't we didn't make it. We missed the mark. We're gonna keep dieting this week, basically. And we're gonna make a few minimal changes, but this is another dieting week. Um, so for those clients, not a lot of changes. The leaner somebody is and the more muscle they have, typically the harder that we can push and typically the harder that we need to fill them out because they're going to be blowing through it. So I would say... That's kind of what I typically do. Um, And then as far as cardio goes, I like to taper cardio. That's, again, fairly obvious. Now, if somebody needs to keep dieting, they need to keep getting leaner that week. We're going to keep more in than I would somebody else. Other people, you're doing 10 minutes all week right? Like it's just every day, each week, it's just going to depend. Um, and then training, I'm somebody who finds that people look much better when they train. Um, even the day before the show, I will have people train the day before the show. Now it's not, you know, a balls out session, but it's a 30, 45 minute full body circuit. We're getting a pump. And I found that when I would rest on that day or I would rest clients never looked as good. Wake up that morning, get a little bit of a workout and then you have the rest of the day to chill. People look so much better. So what was the food that you wanted to talk about? Like food choices?
0: Uh, I'll uh Hattie for those who are listening Hattie has joined us uh I have to apologize Hattie we must have got our our uh, time zones thrown and everything so uh, I'm glad you could I'm like, you, have we you made it I'm sorry so we'll have to yeah I mean I'll have to make it up to you somehow um but so we can get some content from you Hattie I think
3: we no longer have daylight savings and that's now uh, I'm like, that
0: may have changed <laughs>
3: So <laughs> this
0: is <coming> to <laughs> obviously we're talking about peak week and uh, I think essentially what we've gone over so far is Holly likes to generally front load uh, whereas Lauren likes a back load. What's your kind of where are you putting your carbohydrates? Uh, what, what are you doing with that for your peak weeks?
3: So for, for, for myself um, I generally try to get ready before the show and I use like the last three weeks to essentially fine tune how i'm going to play into peak week so that's not a guessing game um obviously with clients the aim is the same to get them ready before peak week and as lauren was just saying like it doesn't always work out that way Um, but i often use a lot of refeeds with my girls so i'll start to take data from the refeeds going okay um where are we going to sit in terms of like how are you looking post one refeed two refeed okay then the day's out you know, one day post two refeeds and so on. And so we start to collect data over the week and do weekly check-ins um, to see, okay, well, where, where are we most likely to be sitting in terms of peak week and do we front or backload? So for myself, I've used both, um, you know, some of my clients I've done a front load in the week and actually that was harder for them in terms of kind of like front loading the, the carbohydrates at the beginning and then tapering into the show. They didn't necessarily feel mentally as good um but it is a bit of a you are playing with a bit of fire when you are guessing the backload because like you, if you overspill it's so much harder to to pull back on a spillage than it is to fill out when you're flat it's essentially better to wake up flat on the morning of your show and know that you can get some carbohydrates in and some sodium um, leading into the show so i've used all methods for myself but generally the most success I've had in terms of peaking the best on show day was to actually um, have my carbs kind of midweek because so I tend to look better two days after a two-day, a pretty decent two-day um, refeed. And then I'm, I'm a little flat on show day and then I've got enough time to, um, to fill out for, for, to peak for the show. So I think both work and it has to be done on the individual. You have to be in a position to peak. Um I thought I would just want to add,
1: add here as well. Sorry to interrupt, but no, go um I think again looking at some of the sex differences as well. So I'm assuming we probably are talking to primarily maybe a female audience since it's a female round table this week. Um, but thinking about some of the, the sex hormone differences. Um, obviously, women have a higher uh, estrogen level. So women typically have um, different patterns of substrate utilization because of our higher levels of estrogen. So we tend to have a slightly lower uh, reliance on our anaerobic pathways. So that means we have less reliance on glucose metabolism. So we don't burn through uh, quite as much glycogen as quickly as men. So again, there'd be differences in how you would peak somebody depending on whether they're male versus female. And something that I just, the reason I thought of that, Hattie, was because you said you usually feel like you look your best a couple of days after. And I think that's partly due to the fact that we aren't kind of, you know, churning through glycogen quite as quickly so if you are able to kind of look at your physique um, under previous conditions where you've had you know quite a high load of carbohydrates um, that is so helpful for being able to kind of identify where you should sit position yourself but it can also be really difficult if you've never had that experience um, with maybe a new client and you've not had any um opportunity throughout the fat loss phase because they were behind and you didn't get to have any refeeds or um diet breaks to kind of assess it so it's it really comes down to you know do we know what we're going to look like under those carb loaded conditions um and then that can kind of help guide whether you do that front or back load
3: I don't know about you girls but coming into peak week or even like in that three weeks out I'm taking notes from the moment I wake up after every <laughs> single meal after every single session like, like the notes in my phone are just crazy because and and even you know some of my clients I'm like take a photo every morning but don't like don't date it and then we're going to look at all the photos across the week and we're going to pick where you look the sharpest and then we'll go back and go, well, that was one day post high day. Or that was, oh, that was after your, um, you know, two days after your two high days. And so it's like, okay, if we're looking at you as a a subjectively, it's like, oh, that actually, that's where you look the best. And then we can, we can follow on, but notes are always going to be, you know, collecting data is always going to give you the best reference. Um, But then, you know, we've got stress coming into peak week and and lack of sleep. And, you know, some of the girls have to get hair and makeup done at like 4am and, and, so we, we can have this, we can have everything set. But then when it comes to the execution, you know, there are so many variables that we can't control, like the nerves. So, um, and I don't know about anyone else with their clients, but peak weeks of my clients, they're where are you? Like, can you please just <laughs> let me know where you're at? Because they're running around, you know, getting hair and makeup done and all that kind of stuff. Photo shoots, you know, the heat, like the Bahamas, like changing climate for some clients, going from cold to hot. Like there's a whole lot of variables that maybe we haven't, thought about previously and that can change change things as well
2: so this is really specific but it might also be useful so um typically we don't know when you're going to compete right I mean obviously if you have the luxury of knowing when you know you're hypothetically going to go on stage that's really really useful um or we can just use trends right so for example at the NPC division Uh, for NPC Bikini Division is typically always last or almost always near last right so we know that like if the show is starting at a certain time it's probably you're probably not going to go on stage at that time Um, but it's going to be you know relatively okay in the morning and sometimes you know it might be if it's a small show like I want somebody to wake up ready just in case shit hits the fan and like they had a makeup appointment and then it was a meeting and then like, oh, they're running around like you're going to get on stage soon because every other division is really small versus if it's a national show and somebody it's like a, like a pro qualifying show. And we know there's a lot of people here. and It's going to take a lot of time. Well, we know that even if we don't wake up 100 percent carved up, we might not want to even wake up perfectly carved up because we have until about 3 p.m. Before they're going to go on stage right, so if you have the luxury of knowing that that is also really, really useful um, and you're gonna to have to plan for this, I always try to plan for the worst like listen, I want you to wake up ready because in case everything goes wrong, at least we've already can just kind of maintain where we're at. That's a lot easier than like cleaning up a spill or trying to carve up like crazy. So let's try to wake up ready and then we'll kind of just eat as we need to. Um, but if it is a later show, you kind of do have that luxury of being able to go a little bit lighter um, kind of the day before because you will have more time.
4: Hey, Pascal here just wanted to take the moment to talk about our membership site inside you'll find a thriving forum an extensive exercise library courses presentations and research reviews all I need you to do is hit the link in the description below and sign up well
0: said I know kind of show days they can be all over the place they can go on for ages depends how many people turn up I don't know there's there's so many variables there so um kind of peak week it's not peak day uh, so yeah. hopefully you are sorted for that day uh I guess something we were going to talk about and I'm, I'm going give, to give it to Hattie just because I know you <laughs> haven't had much airtime. as in terms of food choices uh, I imagine it might look similar for all of you but for you Hattie what are you doing when you're carving up are you kind of consuming different foods same foods what, what's happening with your food choices in peak week are you removing anything
3: um so similar, like I said, collecting data that three weeks leading in, I'll pretty much eat the same food from like three weeks out into, into peak week. So, um, uh, that's definitely the week that you don't try and don't try and add in anything that you haven't eaten before. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge, I don't need a lot of sweetness. Um, I know that I do get some of my girls to drop back on them. Um, some people cut out. Personally don't eat them So, um, I keep my fiber, I bring my fiber down low from Thursday, otherwise too early. I, you know, I don't, I don't feel good actually. Um, So my food pretty much stays the same from about three week out mark leading into the show. Um, Breakfast, lunch and dinner, snacks. Um, In the lead up, you know, when I'm having refeeds or diet breaks, I will kind of play around with some of the foods that I might have right before the show. I mean, in 2016, I ended up having two whole Subway sandwiches because there was so much sodium in the bread and it peaked me beautifully. Um, that was a that was to go out and that was like a real random choice and I don't think I would do that again, even though it worked. Um, but essentially, just like I'm going to be collecting data in terms of when I'm going to be carb loading through the week for the peak week, I'm going to be collecting data on foods that can uh, make me bloated um, and eliminating them any uh, like certain vegetables um the like salt foods and and keep my fiber down a little bit lower um but yeah no introduction of new foods in peak week and not even in the three week out mark to be honest
0: is that something you guys also like to do do you kind of yeah have a from three weeks out or something kind of a, a meal plan style of approach and then do you remove sweeteners i'll, I'll throw it to lauren first of all
2: so i always get this question right like should i take this out and i'm like all right well let me know what you're having right because and to be honest i say if you're not having any issues from it i don't necessarily need you to drop it either because everybody's gonna have a different tolerance some people they have a little bit of sweetener and they are bloated mess for a week other people they're totally fine with it i would say that most people by the end of their prep they're eating pretty basic stuff. Certain people are going to hammer like the fake foods and the diet foods more than others. Um, I would say that like, if you're having like, Hey, well, we already need to have a conversation. If you're like having like a whole pack of gum a day or something like that, like, like 18 sodas, like we need to have a different conversation anyway. So like, maybe we're going to reel it back there. Um, but I would say that for most people, if they have, you know, they have a scoop of protein powder or like a EAAs drink and like, maybe like a Powerade zero or something. I'm like, you can keep that. Like that's totally fine. Um, now if you're having multiple of those every single day and you're having some GI distress, but like Hottie said, if you're having any kind of issues, let's just take that out at this point, you know, um, same with like really tough veggies that to I just not really any point in having them. Um, typically I try to steer away from fruit on peak week, just so we can really try to push to muscle glycogen. Um, and then trying to stick with really basic stuff, you know, rice cream of rice, potatoes for the potassium, which is helpful. If Somebody can tolerate potatoes. I'd much rather have them have those in there. Um, some people get, uh, difficulty with certain meats or eggs, you know, like during preps, like if you're having any type of issue, we're taking that out. You know what I mean? Dairy is a big one. Um, for some people, you know, if you're having an issue with dairy and gluten, we're certainly not having those a few weeks out from a show. And I have some clients who never cut any of that stuff out. Other people even during prep, they're like, listen, these these foods kind of give me some issues. So I cut those out about a month out. You know, we're trying to keep them in so that they have some type of like diversity within their food choices, but a few weeks out, it's just obviously not worth it. So I would say that yeah, there's a few things there. Um, but I don't overtly say like you have to do this or you have to take out whatever. Um yeah, and even like even something as particular as dairy, you know, it's like if you can have if you have it a little bit and you're okay with it, like. That's fine. Um, if you're somebody who's sensitive to it, like we need to take that out.
0: <laughs> Holly, are you the same? There, basically, individualize it to the person. And
1: yeah, I, I think look, um, what how I would view what the girls are saying is, you know, leading into a show, uh, we probably want to be paying attention to somebody's digestive health. So, um, one of the key things that really make, um, you know this conversation important is do you suffer from some kind of um, digestive conditions? So the people that I have the most, um, uh, I guess, removals of from their diet in the week of peak week are going to be those that have um, some of the common conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, so IBS, um, people with celiacs, people with diagnosed intolerances, you know, those folks are the ones that are going to be at risk Um, for stepping on stage um, with some potential, um, you know, GI disturbances. So it might be they have pain, uh, they might have bloating, they might have gas, could be all of those things. So we're basically looking to try and minimize any potential risks uh, when they are on stage. So our um, digestive uh, system, um, I guess, depends on the individual. But generally speaking, we process foods within about 36 uh, hours some people actually have a long colon, other people have a short colon. So there's going to be some um, variability from person to person. But typically, uh, we don't need to make any crazy adjustments um, until about maybe let's say worst case scenario, 48 hours out, because what you ate on Wednesday isn't going to be present on Saturday. So we can pretty much um, keep things relatively the same um, up until those final two days, then we can start to consider if you are somebody that suffers um, from IBS, then we need to be, or whatever that condition is, now we need to start taking it out. Um, So I guess the way that we would manage that is really just looking at some of the common, um, I guess, gut irritants. So there are several of those uh, things that we want to pay close attention to. So things like uh, caffeine consumption, um, alcohol consumption, not that many people that are competing are probably going to be sneaking in any booze on the day before, though I have been known to do that in the past. But, um, you know, these are both um, common gut irritants. We do not want to have those present, um, you know, certainly not the day before or the day of stage just to minimise any potential um, pain or what have you. Um, and then common fod maps are another food that I will really pay close attention to, not just with people that have these conditions, but generally as a blanket rule of thumb, it's like, I would rather, you've just done a six month prep um, in maybe the case of some of Lauren's clients that she'd mentioned. You've just worked hard for six months. Why would we want to risk something two days before the show um, that could potentially upset you on stage? So I would be sending out a list of every single FODMAP And there are hundreds of these things. However, that list looks very long. There are still a lot of other foods that you can have as well that are very low FODMAP. So you can still have a really good diversity of foods, um, you know, the couple of days leading into show and you're not going to feel like you're missing out too much. But I think like both the girls said, um, there's something to be said for routine and stability. Um, As you get closer to the show, um, I think a lot of people just seek confidence in foods they are comfortable with, they're familiar with, they know the macros. And one of the things that we spoke about before when it comes to peaking is we're making dramatic changes to people's carbohydrate intake. And in some cases, it might be taking somebody from, you know, they've been in a depleted state where they're having 90 or 80 grams of carbs for a small female in that, you know, depletion week. That's what they, they got down to. And then for their refeed or the three or four days of carb loading, whatever it is. Um, We're jacking their carbohydrates up by double and some potentially. So, you know, you don't want to be giving out foods that they aren't really familiar with the macros, first and foremost, like they want to be comfortable with um, things that they know what they're what's in them and then of course sodium levels as well Um, that is probably one of the biggest challenges in peak week Um, not only trying to hit certain numbers for your carbohydrates so that you look good you're on stage looking full um, and muscular but we've also got to try and temper their sodium so that they're not having these wild swings um, that can also interfere um, with how they look on stage so again familiarity like I love that Hattie does a three week pretty similar like that's probably more on the extreme end but she is being really cautious like she's not about to ruin that many months of hard work um on the expense of oh today I just want to have some food diversity because I'm so tired of eating the same foods you know so um there's a lot that goes into it but you know I think FODMAPs are really important to keep on the low um you know if you have a diagnosed lactose intolerance let's not Risk that on, you know, the day before we get on stage and, you know, keeping fiber probably to about 50% of what you normally would just the day before. Otherwise, guess what's going to happen? If you cut it out too early, you're not going to shit. You're going to be get, uh, constipated and you're going to be getting on stage probably feeling pretty gross. So you want to keep things pretty normal as long as possible until the last minute. And then you drop out all those uh, potential irritants.
0: Yeah, I really like that description because I think peak week there are a lot of variables you could manipulate and I think if you end up trying to manipulate too many you just have no idea how to control the thing. But if for the most part I think you guys are all on the same page in terms of mostly manipulating just carbohydrates. So if you have control of that variable, if you see something you don't like, it's a case of okay I can pull up or down on this variable and I kind of know what outcome I'm going to get here versus mm-hmm. oh, I chucked all these different things in and i have no idea which one of these is kind of led to the result that i was kind of gunning for i just want to check with you guys how is everyone doing for time have we got time for like another 15 minutes or something to talk about kind of post-show or how are you doing
3: yeah yeah i've got a whole hour
0: hattie's fine so i wanted to yeah i i wanted to extend it to make sure hattie felt like you've uh given your kind of uh word here at least and given some value to the audience and i know they want to hear from you <laughs> i starting with hattie then in terms of we've talked about kind of we we've already talked about kind of starting prep contest lengths kind of going through that and now peak week post show uh what what's that kind of what's your approach to post show with clients kind of um with training, nutrition, but also, I guess, mentality as well?
3: Oh, post, post-competition post blues. Um, something I always say is that no one can fully prepare you for post-competition until you go through it yourself. And it's a, quite a shocking experience, I think, for for newbies. Um, obviously, those who have a bit more experience, we, we, we've learned a lot um, and so much learning comes from just experience. But, um, you know, it's funny everyone always talks about wanting to reverse diet and the exec- there's a theory and then there's the execution. And I'll put my hat up and say, i very execute for myself a reverse diet after a show. Um, you know, I kind of just want to eat normally. And I, for the first week, I just let myself, I'm, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat something. I still track everything. I have guidelines of my own numbers, but I very rarely, um, successfully reverse diet myself and, and, and not when I say successfully not successfully reverse diet I still stay in incredible shape for a long period of time I'm just not this like anal person about oh my god I've got a reverse diet I just want to eat normally I've eaten very robotically for an extended period of time um, however with clients that do want to reverse diet um, I do a step-through process so I tend to increase uh, their carbohydrates um, depending actually depending how low their fat is the first macronutrient I'll actually tend to increase is fat so I take my fats for myself and my girl, carbohydrates and protein high so the first macronutrient I'll start kind of step through is, is fat intake and I'll do it I kind of increase their their calories by about five percent five to ten percent depending on the individual every three days so it's like really stepping through and starting to taper off cardio so um, so I'm closing the gap, say the deficits, you know, like this, it's like just closing the gap down and stepping through that every couple of days. Cause you're hungry as well. Um, for some, of my girls, I say have a, a play week. So go off structure. You've been structured for so long, have a, have a week where you go in, you're going to stick to this amount of sets per, per body part. Don't go more. If you want to go a little less, that's fine. But cardio is a thing that we're like, okay, say we're doing 400 calories coming into the show. We're going to taper it down to 325. Then we're going to taper it down to 250. And we're going to do that as we start to increase food. And I'll try and get them up to around their estimated maintenance within four weeks. A lot of girls that want reverse diet don't necessarily stick to it. And like I said, like for, for those who are, who are new to, to competing, The the theory of wanting to reverse diet is there, but when it comes to the practicality, we've also got the nervous system that's crashing down after an incredibly intense six months, 16 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is that their whole process was. Um, And what goes up must come down. So when someone's in a bit of a collapse, food is an emotional regulator. Trying to stick to these numbers is really tough. So I give them ballpark figures. We have a calorie budget. If it's too hard to stay on top of food. I'll tend to get them to stay higher on the cardio and we'll keep food. I'll bring food up higher and keep cardio where it's at. And then once they've kind of found their feet post show in terms of um, being able to track food more consistently, to um, minimize that calorie deficit over time. So bringing it back, it'll be a bit of a step through increasing their calories between five to 10% over a three to three to four days so it's not just a week and then a week um check in with them continue to check in with them pretty regularly post-show actually because there's so much intense checking in coming into the show you can't just leave them high and dry and think good luck in this part um, so i guess like really nurturing the client is, is really important post-show um, getting them to share their experience of what it's like so they can kind of close down that chapter um, yeah, but for myself, I, I really just want to start eating normally. I have some, some numbers for myself. If I hit them, great. Um, some days I will, some days I won't, but I'm trying to get back to normality and I can still stay in you know, pretty good shape post-show and I don't tend to have the crash and the highs and the lows like I used to when I first started competing. Um, so in terms, if I, had a, if I looked at a high, of I reversed successfully purely for the emotional fact that they're just so emotional. Um, um yeah it's quite a, yeah it's quite an interesting thing reverse dieting post post show in theory it's always great the practicality of it i don't know if holly lauren have had the same experience uh it's it's tough
0: hi guys steve here just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service at revive stronger we pride ourselves on providing personalized service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level If you're interested, check the description and sign up. (laughs) Polly, do you wanna talk through uh, your approach post-show as well?
1: Sure. Um, I think it really depends again on uh, whether we're working with somebody that is um, like a professional athlete or whether we're working with a, a brand new client because their experiences throughout the show Um, not just like psychologically, but, you know, physiologically are going to be wildly different. So if we considered somebody that is, you know, on a professional level, uh, they are a fitness competitor, a figure competitor, or in the case of uh, IFBB, like the, the bikini girls, they are getting very lean, um, the physiological responses that are occurring um, at that level versus somebody that has just done a, um, I guess, what, what did you refer to it as, Lauren? A, um, a lifestyle client dieting down um, and then ending the diet and starting reverse. Um, they're going to feel significantly different. And that's because of some of the hormonal changes that are taking place. Some of the uh, adaptive responses that are taking place um, because of the diet and a whole host of other things. So I think for the, I want to speak to maybe um, some of the professional athletes, um, just speaking from my own experience, and of course, um, lots of other girls is probably the first thing that we need to consider is letting go, I guess, of that stage lean physique. Um, It is very, very difficult to maintain that Uh, for any given length of time. So for those clients, I'm actually having a discussion before we get on stage about, okay, you're obviously going to be achieving an all-time peak physique. You're going to be very lean. There's going to be a significant number of changes that are taking place to your body. um, And I don't think it's reasonable or realistic to maintain that long-term. So First question would be, what kind of body weight and physique can we uh, get back to um, that you would be really comfortable maintaining? And it might be, again, it's going to depend on the size of the individual for how how much weight we regain. It's going to be relative, so it's based on a percentage. But I usually try to have um, clients, and the same for myself, is to get back to a place that's realistic, uh, probably within the first four to six weeks. Um, So straight away, I'm taking the clients back to their at minimum, their current maintenance calories, so they're not losing any more weight. Um, And then we're trying to drive their calories up probably as quickly as we can until they reach that uh, body composition or that body weight um, that they are hoping to maintain Um, you know, for a decent period of time. Now, again, that might depend, um, you know, on what their long term goals are as well. Some people may still have a lot of muscle that they want to build. So they're not going to just stop where they're happy. They may need to work for six months on building more muscle. So that means they're going way beyond that, um, because they're not planning on maintaining that physique, they need to make improvements. So I think uh, learning to let go, I think, of the the physique at the end of a a fat loss phase uh, is probably the first thing. Um, And then something else that can be really difficult, I think, for women is, or men and women, I should say both, um, is, again, in that really deprived um, state where we have had hormonal changes, um, our hunger... Uh, is going to be significantly heightened. So if we had two individuals, one who has been weight stable versus one who has lost a lot of weight, um, they may weigh exactly the same same body composition, but the the individual who has lost a significant amount of body weight is likely to experience something called hyperphagia, which is the desire to eat more than what their physical requirements are. And eating doesn't necessarily... Like satisfy that need. So I think trying to eat intuitively post-diet can be incredibly difficult in that uh, particular state where we have this um, interesting hormonal milieu, where we've got changes in thyroid, changes in leptin um, that are driving you to eat continuously. So there's a lot of things to manage in all of that, not to mention the psycho- the psychological change, you know, of kind of the show's been over. I feel a little bit down. Oh, am I going to lose this physique? Um, you know, what do I do with my training? There's just so many things to consider. So I think it's really important before you uh, step on stage that you have a post-diet plan um, and a bit of a, a set point that you're going to get back to relatively quickly um, and you'd obviously implement that with the um, the process of a reverse diet. I'm just
3: awesome. going to jump in real quick. Sorry, um, Holly, I just loved a lot love of the topics you just touched base on. So like you said, having that conversation with your clients, like um, was there a period leading into the show where you were like, actually this physique, I feel really good in. And for some of the girls, it might be their 10 week out physique. And you can say, well, you're around this amount of weight. And it's like, are you happy to get there? you know, in the timeframe, four to six weeks. And I think that's a really, that's what I've done with some of my clients and they've, they've, they've got a top end, which they don't want to go past and that's fine. But of course, if they're going to go into a calorie surplus, their weight's going to change. Um, but I think that was a really great way and yeah, it's something to get clients on. Um, and then there was another one, um, yeah, around the girls who have lost a significant amount of weight um they're like bottomless pits and so that post that post week um i've got a i've got a rule with my girls it's like night of show go and have whatever you want just don't go home sick
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> the the second day again ha- have a day off but just check in with yourself after each meal okay monday here's where we're going to start your numbers and you're going to check in with me on these these and these points um Otherwise, like you said, free reign, intuitive eating, it, it doesn't, it, intuitive eating doesn't work. Um, you're so, you've got the changes in, like you said, hormone levels. You have no idea, like you don't feel satiated after a meal. Like you're, you're starving. You're at a body fat or yeah, body fat level that your body's like, doesn't really want to be where it's it wants to be. So um, I'm glad you brought
2: up those topics there. bang on. So I'll wrap it up by kind of combining both of those and adding something. So it's what both Hadi and, and Holly said were amazing. And they took into consideration both parts. I always think that physique sports are so unique because they hit both the physiology and the psychology. And I really don't know a lot of sports that hit both as deeply, right? Because there's it's just such a unique sport. Um, and this will really depend, of course, on is this somebody's first show? Are they completely taken by surprise as to like, what happens afterwards, like that high, high, and then like that, you just fall off the cliff low. Um, Are they a seasoned competitor? Are they competing again soon? Are they like, fuck this, I'm never doing it again. Like there's so many things to consider, of course, afterwards. Um, But I like to combine the realism of, listen, you know, here's all the reasons why hormonally, just physiologically, you are not in the position to just eat whatever you want. But as a competitor and as somebody who's worked with a lot of people, I understand the desire to want to eat normal. Like Hadi said, I've said those same things. Everywhere. I just want to be normal again. I just want to be normal again. And also the, you know, your social life, your family, your friends, your significant other, whoever you're with, they all want to do things with you. And when do they plan those things? The first few weeks after the show. So if I were to tell you, you need to be perfect for your reverse diet. Otherwise you're a failure. Track every macro. I'm literally setting this person up for success because 10 weeks later, nobody wants to take you out to dinner. They don't give a shit anymore that you did a show. So they all want to do it right afterwards. So putting that into the plan already ahead of time, I have found to have the most success. So we're kind of balancing. We need to have restraint at some parts of the week. And then we also need to be a little bit more flexible with that restraint at certain parts. And I can say, Hey, is it, is it fair to say that you probably have two meals out this week? Yeah, I have this and this planned. All right, here's what we're going to do earlier in the week. And then here's how we're going to navigate these meals. I want you to enjoy those meals out. And before let's do this during the day. So there's still some structure, but they have that flexibility later because if I were just to say, yeah, yeah, uh, go out and eat, but like try to track it. Okay. Then the person goes to the meal and they're like, either "Ah, I I can't really eat that, you know, and then everybody's like, avoid, number one thing I'm trying to avoid after a show is overeating. That is the number one, like a, like a binging type episode. I'm trying to avoid that as much as possible. So by baking in that flexibility already and asking them kind of like, how is your week look? We typically can set them up for success. And that mentally is so satisfying. Like, man, you know, everybody really wanted to take me out. Like this was great. I was able to do it. And then in a few weeks, your life will go back to normal and everything will be fine and nobody will care that you competed. So you'll be able to be a little bit more diligent if you want to be. But typically I find that just adding in those meals right away sets us up really, really nicely for just a really successful off-season mentally and physically.
3: I always use like the 80% rule, 80%, like track 80% of your food, have 20% where you're eating out. And that gives, like that's, you know, and teaching your clients to be process-driven like when you have principles or, or guidelines you can apply it to any pretty much any strategy so um yeah it's like control what you can control and and, and allow a little bit of flexibility I think most of our clients here track macros um even if they've had periods of being in a meal plan you still have an opportunity to learn about your food and it's like practice essentially like continue to eat similar to what you've been eating and then have those meals out where eat something that you feel like but practice not going home sick it's like overindulging and um so you can yeah stay stay within reason in terms of control and, and process and strategy but also allow a little bit of flexibility and it's, you're right and i find that just
2: show what are you guys <laughs> well, It broke up sorry i didn't hear it um uh, i find that just setting that up allows people to mentally feel like they can do it without either over restricting or overindulging if you're like hey we are going ahead with this plan. And I want you to have two meals out, like have two dinners out this week. It's like, Oh, cool. Now I can look forward to this and I actually go and do it. And there's really no cloud looming over my head. They're not sending me an email Thursday night. So something came up. Do you think I can do that? It's already like, Hey, here's in the plan, go execute, it. go have fun. But then here's the rest of the plan that we can actually stick to. And this is going to help your long-term goals. I think just saying that up front, people are so much more receptive and they're like, Oh, okay, I can do this. Yeah,
1: I think that's um, probably a similar process or an approach uh, as to how people would be tackling the actual fat loss phase as well. It's like all of those behaviors that you implemented during your diet, um, whether it was calorie cycling or whether you have kind of tracked days, non-days, whatever the case might be. I think as long as you are still continuing to use some of those behaviors that enabled you to get to where you were at the end of the diet. Like you can't just expect to let all of that go uh, and still have the positive um, long-term outcomes that you might've hoped for. So, yeah, I love the idea of um, planning ahead. That's something that I do personally. You know, I absolutely still enjoy my social life until probably like the last week of prep. So I'm constantly, you know, planning out, looking at my schedule. What uh, meals out have we got this weekend? What events have I got on? Where do I need to cut back a little bit in order to afford myself This particular meal, you know, so you can still apply those same approaches um, in those early weeks of a reverse diet post contest um, so that you do have a successful reverse, because I think the biggest challenge is if somebody is looking to maintain, you know, a decent uh, amount of weight loss from, you know, their starting um, fat loss endeavors. Um, you're going to need to uh, conservatively get those numbers back up. Because what will happen is because of all the adaptive responses that are happening while you diet, you can't just go straight back up to even what we would consider a normal amount of calories. Um, What's likely to happen if you do that is you'll have a really disproportionate amount of body fat regained in that time period. Um, And that's likely to leave you feeling pretty down and beat up anyway. So having that post diet plan, super important, trying to be somewhat conservative in that approach from week to week. Whether it's you know um, putting in some percentages like Hattie mentioned, or um, you know looking at weight change each week and then making a calculated increase, whatever. But it definitely needs to be planned, um, you know, controlled. But you can still have flexibility. Um, you can still calorie cycle kind of within those um, caloric restraints. Fantastic. The same process that's going to support you going into a show is the same process
3: gonna, that's going to support you coming out. So, I
0: was I was just about to say something along the lines of like the reverse diet. It's a very nice actual just way of describing in terms of you are just taking steps back out of the diet where maybe you've you've turned on that light light switch of flexible dieting like it's super bright. It's uh, or or rather. Uh, the dimmer switch analogy is what i was going for there in terms of like you're being very strict strict and restrictive towards the end of prep and you're slowly dimming that kind of light switch as you're coming out of it because i think you guys all use kind of a a flexible dieting macro based approach and it's just about like loosening the reins and not just letting them go Um, you still need to have a control over that period but essentially you're just trying to get someone back to a place where they can be productive again healthy again and enjoy their kind of improvement season or that that physique that they've got because now they're kind of happy and healthy and able to control their food a bit better as well so guys i want to say a massive thank you for you all coming on um i think we could probably talk forever uh, as ever which is great uh, i i love how you guys interact and bounce back and forth and i think the audience really appreciate it as well i want to say a massive thank you to all for coming on uh, i won't make you all kind of say where people can find you. I'll make sure that's all linked below. And hopefully they found that from last time, but I'll make sure all your social links are within the description box. And just a massive thank you again, guys, for coming on and taking the time. I appreciate
3: it. Thank you so much for having us. Sorry for (laughs) coming on late.
4: Uh, but each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, but there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically, we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is gonna be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there, you can ask questions, but also you can can log your journey. There's also gonna be courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're going to have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library. The exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, we're going to go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them, kept them concise, and also mobile friendly, so that you can watch them in between your sets.